Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey, 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 friends. I hope you're having a fantastic week. And I have to tell you, I learned so much from today's guest. I'm chatting with Stephanie Langford. She is the founder of the website keeperofthehome.org. And we're talking all about natural remedies for our kids. There are so many things that happen during the summer, the sicknesses that go around, and then leading up to the fall, that seems to be a huge time for illness as well. And I wanted to get some information to you about other options that we have besides what's at the drugstore. Now, obviously, neither Stephanie nor I are doctors or physicians or anything like that, but Stephanie has gone through a health crisis. And as a result of that, she learned so much about natural remedies and different ways that we can help our bodies to heal besides just turning to the things at the drugstore. And I think this is such an important topic for us to have because a lot of times the medicines that we give our kids can be the things that kind of prolong their illness. They're not always the best options. And so we're talking a little bit about that today. We're going to hear a little bit about Stephanie's story and just the things that are in her natural medicine cabinet. Um, But before we get into that, I want to give a huge thank you to our show sponsor, PlanToEat.com. You can get their free 30-day trial by going to PlanToEat.com forward slash inspired to action. And honestly, one of the first lines of defense for our health in general is just what we eat and what we put into our body. Just like if you go to the gas station and you accidentally put diesel fuel into your car and you have an unleaded car, you know what happens. Basically, Actually, I don't know. (laughs) Nothing or does it explode? I don't know. Something bad happens. That's all I know. So you don't want to put the wrong thing into your car. It's just not going to work. It's the same with our bodies. And for me, the best way for me to eat healthy is just to plan it out. I'm never going to have a perfect eating week where everything is perfectly organic and healthy and this or that free. But if I just take the simple time to plan out what I'm going to eat, I eat you know, light years better than I would have if I was just winging it. So I would imagine the same would be true for you. And I encourage you and even challenge you to try it out. Plan your meals for a month and see what a difference it makes in your health and your energy level and just in making your life a whole lot easier. So go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action and you can get their free 30-day trial. And if you want to jumpstart in getting everything all set up in a really great meal planning system, all set up on plan to eat. You can go to mealplanningbootcamp.com and that's a free e-course that I've created that gives you video tutorials and daily challenges to get all set up in just a matter of days on plan to eat. So definitely go check that out. And now let's go ahead and jump into our conversation today with Stephanie Langford. Hey Stephanie, how are you doing today? Hey Kat, I'm doing really good. How are you? I am doing very well. I'm glad that you could be on the podcast today. Now, for those of you um, listening who don't know Stephanie, I've known, wow, I've known you, how long, like, when did we go to the Philippines? Is that like four years ago? That was four years ago. Was that the first time we met or did we meet at a loom before that? I can't remember. I don't think we did because I think I only knew Tish 
And okay. I only knew her because we met up at an Ikea right before <laughs> really? the trip. Yep. We met up at an Ikea in Round Rock, Texas, so that we could at least know each other before living together for a week on the other side of the world. No. That is funny. Something you always kind of want to do. Um, so I've known Stephanie okay. for, I guess that's about four years and um, just love her. And, you know, online, especially I would say the past year or two, probably more for some of you, probably less for others. I've heard so much about particularly essential oils, and I've started to see my real-life friends use them and things like that. And so the question popped into my head, what's the real deal with this sort of thing? Because honestly, I am a slightly, I'm a rule-following rebel, whatever that means. But I tend to really follow rules. But when everybody's doing something, I tend to not want to do it. And so because I would hear everybody talking about it, I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that. And so my the the you know smarter side of my brain was like you know what you need to learn more about this at least know what you're being rebellious about <laughs> and so the first person that came to mind was Stephanie because one I just she's just quality and smart and knows a lot about this stuff so I thought this could be a fun discussion for all of us today I know some of you listening are probably maybe already using essential oils or other natural health remedies and stuff and others of you don't even know what I'm talking about and so I think between Stephanie and I we're going to pretty much cover that entire gamut because I know nothing and she knows a lot but I will throw out the disclaimer that neither of us are doctors nor have we ever been doctors nor do we play doctors on TV. And definitely not the last one. Yeah, definitely not the last one. Um, so, you know, whatever we say, whatever we share, take it with a grain of salt, do your own research. This is really just two moms talking and learning from one another, mostly me learning from Stephanie, but you know. Um, so with that disclaimer in place, Stephanie, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about you and your family. Yeah, of course. Well, um, I am. Well, we live in Canada, first of all. So I, I hope there's some Canadians. I'm sure there are that listen. Um, most people just assume we live in the States, but we live up here in Canada on the West Coast. And my husband and I both run uh, several businesses from our home. We are serial entrepreneurs and we just love this lifestyle. We homeschool our four kids, soon to be five. I'm due in about three weeks with number five. So. That is an exciting thing happening for our family this summer. And yeah, so a little bit about me, though, is that I'm actually really interested in stuff, like just from a pure learning and hobby sort of perspective. And, you know, Kat, you were saying that you started hearing about it when it became really popular, but I started hearing about it before it was popular, before anybody was really talking about it. And so I guess I got to come at it from the other angle of I was really the rebel who is trying to do something different. And, and now everybody's doing it. And now everybody's doing it. But that's okay. Like, I'm happy about that. But, you know, to, to give you a bit of background on me, I did not grow up in a family that believed in natural medicine. I did not grow up, you know, knowing about nutrition or eating healthy. We had a medicine cabinet full of NyQuil and Neocitrin and Pepto-Bismol and Tylenol and Advil and Neosporin and all those, you know, conventional pharmacy kind of things. And so that's really my background. And so it's been this huge learning process for me. And, you know, as Kat said, I'm, I'm just a mom who's really passionate about it. Uh, but I love, I love the process of learning about it. And I think it's fascinating realizing that God made our bodies to be capable of, you know, healing. And he made them so uh, intricate 
and complex and holistic, like that everything functions together, everything interacts with everything else. And it's just amazing to me. And the more that I've studied it, the more I've just been in awe of the way that we've been created. And I guess that's part of why I love using natural remedies so much, because I feel like we're taking what God has already put in our bodies and we're just helping those healing processes along. So I don't know. There's a little bit of an intro. No, that's great. So, but you see, you didn't grow up learning about all that stuff. So, what instigated that whole transition? What made you start um, your learning journey? Well, it really changed when I had a health crisis when I was about 20 years old. So, you know, I'd grown up actually very unhealthy, and I didn't really see the outward symptoms of that unhealthiness completely until I got into university. And then I was living that university lifestyle of, you know, late nights, lots of coffee, just really not taking care of myself. And that was when I began to notice uh, my health really uh, took a, you know, a dive downwards. And so in my senior year of university, I went to a doctor because I was having issues with my cycle. It was totally off. I'd been gaining weight. I was having these awful bouts of uh, cramping from different foods that I ate, and I just felt terrible. And I ended up being diagnosed with a hormonal disorder called polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I also had um, some intol- uh, uh, sorry, wrong word, um, irritable bowel syndrome. That's the word I'm looking for. And so I had all these things going on. And the doctor basically told me, there's nothing you can do about this. You can take some pills and come back and see me later on. <laughs> and, you know, rebel at heart that I am, <laughs> I said, I don't think so. So that, that was really what started me down this road. I went out and I started reading and learning. And so at first I was really just learning about nutrition and basic lifestyle changes. But the more I learned about food and how it affects the body, then I began to come across other information about all these other areas in our lives. So the toxins in our environment and the products that we use in our homes and on our bodies, learning about pesticides and other chemicals um, in our food and our water, learning about eco-friendly practices. And then I started dabbling in alternative health and home remedies because it kind of just creeps in there. Once you start learning about one, they all sort of follow. (laughs) But, you know, that goes back to the holistic thing that I was saying is I think that's how God meant it to be because all of these things... um, you know, it's all, it all works together. It's all connected. So that's really how I got going. It's so interesting because, you know, at first, honestly, when I hear people talk about this sort of thing, I'm like, that's kind of weird. Um, but in, if you really think about it, and, and I had this realization at some point because I'm a little slow, but um, I realized, you know, it's not as though, it's not like Laura Ingalls had ibuprofen or Pepto-Bismol or, you know, whatever old historical person you want to refer to. It's not, it's not as if, you know, the 20th century invented medical care. People did things for thousands of years before we had medicines in the drugstore. And that, so really, probably, the alternative medical things are actually not the alternatives. There were the things that people have been using for years and years and years and years. And it's really the new stuff that's probably actually more alternative. And, you know, I've had lots of friends that have been from various countries overseas, and it's always been so interesting to see their responses to health and nutrition and stuff when they come to the States and um, just how different it is and how different their perspectives are, which are much more in line with more natural remedies and and natural um, medicines and stuff. Um, Okay, so I'm curious to know, as a mom, what sort of stuff then is in your medicine cabinet? Because a lot of those things that you mentioned, they're right over there. Actually, earlier today, I was looking for the Neosporin because my son fell and scraped his leg. 
Um, so what, let's just start with that one. Like what, if your kids falls and scrapes their leg, what do you do? I pull out herbal salve, uh, which is like, it's kind of like an ointment, like Neosporin, but instead of being, uh, you know, antibiotic, um, like a pharmaceutical, it's made with, um, herbs that are naturally antibiotic. Do you buy that or did you make it? Uh, you can make it, but I buy it. Okay, that's, that's good to know because <laughs> the whole making a thing would kind of be the obstacle that I probably wouldn't cross. Um, and I think that's an obstacle for a lot of people, actually. And and the fact is that you don't have to be like this complete DIYer brewing up concoctions in your kitchen to be able to use natural remedies because it's become more mainstream again. There are so many awesome products out there, and I'll try to recommend as many as I can while we talk just to show you that there's a lot of options other than doing it yourself. So tell me why I would use something like herbal salve. Is that how you say it? Uh-huh. I tell you guys, you're, this is the greatest interview because I am actually completely and 100% clueless. So this is <laughs> this is perfect. Um, so so why would I use that? Why, why should I not use Neosporin? Um, well, really, it's neosporin will help to prevent the infection, but it doesn't really aid in the healing. Whereas when you're using these herbs, they do have those antibiotic qualities. So they're going to prevent the infection, but at the same time, uh, they often have things in them, uh, like, like calendula or comfrey or things like that, that actually really, um, sort of, uh, you know, help the tissue to um, to rebuild, to regenerate faster, better, less scarring, things like that. So, so they're preventing the infection, but they're also like encouraging that faster, better healing. So that's why that's why I think it's better. I mean, you know, using a little bit of neosporin compared to some other things you could take, uh, that's not the end of the world. Like, it's not going to have a huge, huge damaging effect, but. One of the things we always want to be thinking about is how can I improve healing and help my body to respond well to this, mm-hmm. not just how can I prevent a problem or a symptom. Right. So where would somebody buy herbal salve? Um, I have one that I buy from a friend of mine. She runs a shop called Apple Valley Natural Soap. So she mostly makes soap, but she also happens to make this really awesome herbal salve. Um, but you can also buy... Um, Maybe a lot of people know uh, online shops like vitacost.com or places like that. And you can just type that in the search and you will come up with all sorts of different salves or ointments that are the same type of thing. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. So what else do you have in your medicine cabinet for when your kids, you know, you you, you can pick the illness, pick an illness and tell me what you have. <laughs> This is a very exciting podcast, folks. We're talking about pick your own illness. It's kind of like choose your own adventure, except a little bit more painful. Or gross. Or gross. (laughs) Okay. So how about stomach upsets and, you know, diarrhea and things like that? Let's just get real Let's just go right there. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So uh, growing up, I would use things like Pepto-Bismol when I had an upset stomach or problems like that. And um, what is effective in Pepto-Bismol is that it actually contains a type of clay. I think it's pronounced kaolin clay. I'm not sure about the pronunciation. But uh, it also has all sorts of other stuff, including, 
you know, pink dye and preservatives and things that we don't need. But clay, if you can buy just plain bentonite clay, you can mix that up with water. And I get my kids to just drink the clay water and that will actually do the same thing. Now, when we travel, we bring that because we've done a lot of um, international traveling in developing countries. And so we would use that if we're worried about getting some kind of, um, you know, food poisoning or parasite or things like that, which is a really real concern when you're traveling. But it also works great for just your, you know, your average upset stomach. That happens to all of us from time to time. So clay I find is easy for my kids. I also use charcoal. That sounds really bizarre. No, I I think I've heard of that, but I I need to interject here. How do you get your kids to drink clay water? It doesn't really taste like anything because you're not mixing it up like a thick sludge. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you mix it up, you know, you can put in like a teaspoon of clay and with a little bit of water and mix it up. And then you can let it sit and let all the like heavy particles go to the bottom. And you're still getting the clay mixed in with the water. So then you can just give them a spoonful or two of the water that has some clay in it. And that still does the trick. And it, I really don't think it tastes like anything. So my kids will usually happily take it. I might have weird kids cat. (laughs) (laughs) I probably trained them to be weird, but they don't mind it. I'm sort of just picturing you there with like this squinty eye. Here, kids, drink your sludge. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wish I was like Mary Poppins and I could make it taste fancy for everybody. That would be the best. (laughs) But the other thing is charcoal. And charcoal is messy, so some people are kind of hesitant to get into it, but it's way easier to find than clay. Uh, Clay, usually, um, you have to find kind of more like specialty stores or buy it online. But charcoal, you can just go into any like supplement or health food store store and buy a bottle of capsules of activated charcoal. And as an adult, you can just take those pills. Like if you get food poisoning from a restaurant or you have this like crazy upset stomach and you just can't even function, um, you can just take a couple capsules of charcoal with water. And I find they usually start to help me within half an hour. It's really, really amazing. And for kids, because it's kind of weird and my kids can't swallow pills, most of them, um, I just put some charcoal underneath like a spoonful of applesauce or honey and they'll take it. So is it like a powder or is it? It is a powder. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I remember when we were in the Philippines, Ryan wasn't feeling well and you said something about getting the charcoal and I'm picturing, you know, like these briquettes. (laughs) (laughs) They just take a big chunk off. (laughs) How does that work? capsules they're nice (laughs) okay okay that makes much more sense yeah okay so we've covered um okay how about let's 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 talk about headaches or fevers what do you do in those situations okay i'll start with headaches um one thing i'll say is that with a headache this is one thing that a lot of people don't know but the first thing to try when you have a headache is to drink one to two glasses of water and just rest for 10 minutes because a lot of people don't know a headache is one of the first signs of dehydration So um, that's always something to try, first of all. If that doesn't work, then we will use, uh, we use essential oils for headaches a lot. Uh, We find them really effective. So peppermint and lavender are good ones. Um, You have to be a little bit careful with peppermint in particular. It's a stronger oil, so you're going to want to dilute it, especially for kids, especially if you're trying to put it like on the temples and, you you know, you don't want it too close to the eyes because it's a little strong. So you can rub it um, on the temples. You can rub it kind of on the back of the neck. Uh, I find behind the ear helps as well, and you can also smell it. Um, So that could be by putting it in a diffuser where it blows into the air or even just opening a bottle and smelling it. (laughs) You can do that too. Um, 
so we do that. Um, you can also get like headache blends of essential oils. So I've tried one from one of the, I don't know if I want to get into essential oil brands today because that is such a mucky subject. Yes, it's so, like a college rivalry thing. Oh, I, even, even I, in my very limited knowledge, am aware of that. So yeah, you don't have to mention any names. Awesome. I'm not going to. I'm just going to say I tried a headache blend from one of the big brands and, um, and, and that worked well. But actually the best one we found was just from a local store. They have like this headache stick and it has things like peppermint and eucalyptus and I'm not sure what else, but it's just made into this little stick and you can just, you know, kind of dot it along the sides of your head and along your neck. And uh, we find that is really helpful as well. Or if it gets really bad, then sometimes we'll do something like a hot Epsom salts bath. And Epsom salts are really cheap and easy to buy at any pharmacy or even grocery stores in like the pharmacy kind of section. You can just buy them in bags or in like a big, um, they look kind of like sometimes like a, a cardboard carton, like you'd get milk in maybe. Um, and you just pour like a cup of that into a hot bath. They have a lot of magnesium in it and the magnesium is really helpful for headache. And you could also put a cool cloth on your head. And and Kat, I will confess that if we get like an awful, awful migraine type headache, we will break down and take ibuprofen just like the rest of you. <laughs> but But the caveat to that is if we're getting those kind of headaches, then we really stop and try to figure out, like, what is causing this? Like, do I need more calcium and magnesium? Do I have high stress? Am I not coping with it well? Am I not sleeping well? Am I not drinking enough water? Do I have muscle tension? Whatever it is. And just try to be proactive about preventing another one. That's super smart. I think, honestly, because we have such easy access to medicines that are typically going to knock out our symptoms so quickly, we don't always think about what's causing them. And so then they just keep coming back and coming back and we never get to the root of the problem. Right. Um, that's, I think that's super smart. So can we take a quick detour and talk about essential oils? Um, <laughs> sure. One, I'm just curious to know, so why don't you just explain to people like me, tell me exactly kind of what they are and, um, and, and the different ways people use them. Well, I'm not going to do justice to a description of what they are um, because I'm probably going to muck it up and use wrong terms and okay. stuff like that. But basically, they are um, they are the the essence of a herb, of a flower, of um, something uh, that has medicinal qualities that they have extracted just the essence of it. So uh, sometimes that can come from like a um, like a pressing and the oil comes out and it's very, very strong, powerful essence of whatever that thing is. That's essentially what they are. So we need to think about, first of all, I mean, you see them in itty bitty bottles. They are powerful, powerful, concentrated stuff. Um, so, uh, sorry, what was the next one? You asked me something so that followed up how, on that. how do we use them? I know I've seen yeah. diffusers in the store, but what? how should we use them or not use them? Okay. So there are three basic ways that you can use an essential oil. You can use it topically, which means putting it somewhere on your skin or body. You can use it orally, which means taking it by mouth, or you can um, use it by diffusing it into the air um, using like a diffuser or smelling it, something like that. So those are, those are really the three main ways to use them. Now there are, a, there's a lot of controversy about ingesting them orally. And I am not going to say what I think about that one way or the other. I think, um, I think that occasionally they can be used that way, but like I said, they're powerful, they're strong, they really do things in your body. So it's not the way that a beginner should jump in to using them. And even then, like I'm very cautious and I've been using oils for about four or five years and I don't usually let my kids ingest them. And even my husband and I ingest them very rarely, very small amounts. Mm -hmm. So 
I would say use a lot of caution with that. You'll hear from a lot of the big brands, oh, it's okay, put them in this, put them in that, take a few drops. And I'm not really comfortable with that. Uh, some people are. Um, I, would, I would just say do your research before going the ingesting route. But topically and, um, you know, smelling them, that, that's really uh, quite safe to use. The only thing with topical that you want to um, be aware of is that there, there are some oils that you can use neat, and neat just means using it undiluted, so using it like straight out of the bottle. Uh, but a lot of them should really be diluted first. And the way that we dilute an essential oil is by using what we call a carrier oil. And a carrier oil is some other kind of oil, like um, olive oil or coconut oil or a bit of almond oil or something like that, just so that you're not using it so straight and you don't you know, put something that's really strong on your skin and get a reaction, that kind of thing. Right, right. So are essential oils the bee's knees? You know, if you scroll <laughs> long enough on Facebook or on Instagram, they can cure anything, anytime, or at least that's that's the appearance that I get. Mm-hmm. And so and I think that's what caused some of my rebellious attitude. Obviously, maybe I need some ministry or therapy for this <laughs> issue, but... I'll pray for you. Yeah. Right, yeah, maybe, maybe I need that. Um, but, you know, if, if you read long enough, or if you, you're on Facebook long enough, or maybe if you're just friends with the right people, you see all these things posted, and mm-hmm. how they can do all these things, and they're amazing, and the wonderful cure-all. Um, and I know there's probably a middle ground. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely fall into that middle ground kind of camp. I think I think they're awesome. I think they have a lot of beneficial uses. I think that they can be really effective when used in the right way. And I also think they don't do everything. So if you know, if I were to continue going through my medicine cabinet more, and maybe we'll still talk about a few more specific things, mm-hmm. you'll see that I'm not recommending essential oils for everything. I have specific things that I recommend and use them for in our family, but I also use a lot of other things, which might be um, herbs or um, vitamins and minerals or you know, like different kinds of baths or teas or, uh, you know, things like the clay and charcoal. Like I use a lot of different things. And and so I guess I just feel that essential oils require a balanced and a conservative approach. Really learn what you're doing. Learn about a, a couple oils and learn to use them really effectively and then learn about one or two more. And you can sort of build up mm. the way that you use them that way. And then I think they are a wonderful part of your medicine kit. But I'm not sure that they should be your whole medicine kit, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, then let's get back into your let's get back into your medicine cabinet, Stephanie. (laughs) All Uh, right. And let's see. We talked about upset stomachs. We talked about cuts, headache. How about fevers? What do you do when your kids have fevers? Okay. Well, first of all, I will say, and this is probably controversial for those coming from a more um, standard kind of medical background. I don't. I don't treat fevers necessarily. Um, I will treat a fever if it's particularly high, like 103 or 104. I'm sorry. I don't know what that is. Oh, do you guys use Celsius or Fahrenheit for that? Use Fahrenheit. Oh, perfect. Okay. Actually, you know what? I'm the bad Canadian who's using Fahrenheit instead of Celsius. (laughs) I forgot that. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. I understand her. Maybe I'm translating in my head. That's funny. Um, I'm a little bit Americanized because I have so many American friends and I've been writing for an, you know, part American audience for so many right. years. So, okay. So if it's like 103 or 104 or higher, 
then I would, I would, you know, watch that more carefully, particularly if they have a fever for more than two days. If it's a baby under three months old, I'm going to get them checked out right away. And especially if you see that a, a child is looking listless, lethargic, they have a stiff neck, they seem very, very dehydrated, they're, you know, refusing all food and drink. Those are the kinds of situations where you want to get them checked out or where you do want to take down the fever, at least temporarily. So in those instances, I, I would consider using something like an I like I, I go for the the dye-free children's ibuprofen, which I feel is the safest. I'm not really comfortable with Tylenol because it has really damaging effects to the liver over the long term. So I choose ibuprofen instead when we do need something. But before I would go that route, if I'm not seeing any of those danger signs, I actually let the fever run its course as much as possible. And that's because a fever is really, it's a part of the immune system response and it's not actually a bad thing and we don't really want to push it down. Um, it's really a sign that your body is fighting something that it needs to rest. Um, and, you know, and as adults, like we're the worst at pushing ourselves when we're sick. Mm -hmm. So we would be tempted to want to take something to get rid of that fever so that we can keep pushing ourselves forward or working or whatever it is. But it's really the worst thing that, that you can do. Like it's not going to help your body get better. So that's why I let it run its course. And instead, I will give hot baths with Epsom salts or ginger, which increases the circulation. Um, I will give peppermint or chamomile teas can be helpful. We do a lot of cold cloths on the forehead. Really, we do a lot of TLC. I mean, snuggling and resting and, you know, cuddling with our kids. Um, other so, than that, I don't know. Is, is that making sense? Totally I mean, makes sense. And I, I actually don't typically give my kids anything either because if they're supposed to rest, um, usually the the fever and tiredness works better when they actually have that than when they're feeling great because then they want to bounce off the walls. So yeah, um, I know that they're going to rest better that way. But I'm curious about, yeah. you mentioned that you give them a hot bath um, mm -hmm. and as opposed to like a cool bath or a lukewarm bath. Um, does that not, I mean, I'm just speaking from ignorance here. Does that not, is, is it supposed to be a hot bath? Does that help it even though they're already hot? Yeah. I mean, if they're really, really hot and I actually want to try to like really bring that fever down, then I might do something cooler. Like if they were really edging up there to the dangerous mm -hmm. temperatures, then I would do that. But um, if it's more of a moderate temperature, you know, maybe like 100, 101, you know, something like that, I actually just want to stimulate their immune system and their circulation to help flush out whatever's going on in their body. So, I mean, when I say hot, I mean relatively hot for, right. you know, a for a, ch a, a child, yeah. a normal bath for a kid, maybe hotter for an adult. Um, but I even add things like ginger, which really uh, increases the circulation. And you'll feel more flushed when you get out. And you need to be really careful about drinking extra water because you don't want to get dehydrated. And you don't mm -hmm. want to get lightheaded. But by speeding up the circulation like that, you can actually help to shorten the course of the fever. So if you take that warm bath and then you go bundle up in bed and have that good rest, um, often we find that we get better faster by doing that. Very, very interesting. Okay, so – oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I didn't say anything. Sorry. I think something on my computer made a noise. Okay. Um, okay. So I want to talk about two more two more things, uh, cough and then allergies, which could go hand in hand, I suppose. What do you do in those situations? Okay. So um, for a cough, 
What we don't do is we do not use conventional cough syrups or cough candies. And the reason is that these either have um, sugar in them, like the, you know, the cough drops that you buy at the store. They usually have sugar in them, which is going to lower your immune system response instead of raising it. So that's not what you want. It's not going to fight off the cause of the cough. Um, or they have dyes and artificial sweeteners, which I think is even almost worse. So we don't do that. Um, we do buy... Um, herbal cough drops. Uh, I like ones that have things like slippery elm or whorehound. Those are just types of herbs that are really, uh, they're really soothing for the, for the throat. Um, they help cut down on the coughing a lot. I have a recipe on my website for homemade cough syrup that I make using honey and onions, but even just sucking on a spoonful of raw honey can be really soothing and helpful. Uh, we make teas that we put lemon and honey in and, um, okay, here's a product recommendation for you. Okay. So if you don't want to make your own herbal teas or yeah. you don't know where to find herbal cough drops, um, there's a brand of tea called Traditional Medicinals. And they're really common. I've even seen them in places like Target and Walmart. And they make all sorts of teas. So they have ones for... Um, like when you're all uh, congested for respiratory distress, um, one called Breathe Easy, I think. They have another one that's for coughs. They have another one that's more of just a general cold fighter, and it's got echinacea and things like that. They have so many different teas, and it's just so easy because it's just a tea bag. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody mm -hmm. can do that. You can buy them um, so many places. So those are really, really useful. Now, are these then things the your kids actually take relatively easily? Or, I mean, the honey, I would think. Yeah. Honey's an easy one. Yeah, honey's an easy one. <laughs> yeah, and the teas, um, because I usually add a little bit of honey or lemon, mm -hmm. um, they, they like the flavor of that. It's kind of soothing to them. So the, these teas I don't find taste particularly bad. I mean, you can get a herbal tea that tastes really bad and bitter, but <laughs> um, yeah, I don't find these ones are bad. So um, my kids will go along with these things. And the other thing that you can do for a cough, is uh, just like you would use something like Vaporub, like for a congestion, uh, you can use eucalyptus. Essential oil is really good for congestion or for coughs. So that can be in a diffuser or in a humidifier in the bedroom, or you can put it on the bottoms of bare feet and then put socks on. That okay. helps a lot as well. Very interesting. I will throw out my, it's not a cough remedy. It's a what to do when you're coughing so hard you think you might throw up or you just can't stop coughing. And oh. we always have... Um, well, we'll either have some ginger ale, which probably isn't the best thing, but since I, I don't like soda, so I'll just get like some, I don't know if you've heard of Topo Chico, it's like a sparkling water, um, but the, I find that that carbonation really helps if I'm having a coughing fit, I just drink that and somehow the tickling of my throat from the carbonation overpowers the tickling of the cough and it, I mean, I, I have bad allergies in February and so I know a lot about coughing and it it really helps. It doesn't fix anything or solve anything, but if I just need to not cough for a little while, mm -hmm. um, it really helps. So. That's fascinating. So maybe you could use something like, like we use club soda when we want yeah, fizzy yeah. drinks. That, that's what Topo Chico is, basically. Okay. Oh, interesting. I like it, Kat. Good idea. I contributed. I'm so proud Yay. of myself. Um, okay, let's move on to allergies. Okay. So I assume you're talking about like like seasonal allergies, mm -hmm. like pollen and things like that. Okay. We haven't experienced that very much in our family, but I do know my brother-in-law um, who does a lot of like manual labor and construction and stuff has dealt with it really badly. And I know that he has taken um, local bee pollen mm -hmm. and then also grapeseed extract. So grapeseed extract you can usually buy from health food stores online or brick and mortar stores. And you can typically find it either in liquid or in capsules. And 
it, uh, the grapeseed extract has a bit of a, um, an antihistamine reaction, which is the same thing that um, a pharmaceutical like Benadryl would give you. And so a lot of people have uh, experienced good results by using the grapeseed extract. And what the local bee pollen does is it actually helps your body to handle the local pollens because if it's local honey, then um, those bees have been you know, pollinating the same kind of flowers and everything that are probably irritating you. So, right. um, but, but you have to be careful with things like that. Some people do react to bee pollen. Um, the first time I ever had it, I had like, it wasn't major, but I had mild throat swelling. So I would just say if anybody's going to try bee pollen, start out with just a little bit and just make sure that your body tolerates it. And if you're allergic to bees, then please don't take bee pollen. <laughs> Good call. Good yeah. call. <laughs> Um, yeah, I live in central Texas, which is really, 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 really bad for allergies, particularly cedar trees. And mm. uh, like there are time, there are times of the year when you might think smoke is blowing across you know, oh, wow. the yard, but it's actually uh, pollen from the cedars. That's and great. it's just, it's, it's pretty rough. And so I'll have to try some of these uh, next season. Yeah. And, you know, do more research on that one. Like it's just, uh, I mean, we definitely have pollen and people here have seasonal allergies. It's just our family hasn't dealt with it that much. So I'm sure that there's somebody out there far more knowledgeable than I am. Um, Okay. So I would love to know, uh, I know our time is is coming to a close here, but I'd love to know what are some of the places where you do your research to learn more about stuff? What are some of the sources that you use? Okay. Well, I I unfortunately am, I'm, in my office here, so I can't actually see my bookcase. But I could give you some names of books afterwards. But I buy a lot of books. Now, there's a lot of really great information on the internet. Some of it is really reputable and some of it is not. And if you have not studied uh, things like alternative health and natural remedies, then it might be a little bit hard for you to discern the difference between the two. And I still have a hard time sometimes, you know, stumbling on websites and trying to figure out, okay, what is their background? What do they really know? And so I tend to go to books more because the people who are actually writing traditionally published books, uh, they just usually have more credentials and more experience mm-hmm. behind them. And that's how they got picked up by a publisher. So I can give you some recommendations after, but I would say get a book or two that um, that lists a lot of remedies and sort of something that you can look up in the index by, you know, what it is. So how do I treat a cold or a cough? How do I treat a burn? How do I treat this or that? Something that you can, you know, you don't have to read the whole thing from cover to cover, but what you want is a reference. Right. Um, so that's what I have is I have a whole bunch of references. And <laughs> I think my husband thinks it's kind of funny, but when I get sick, like really sick and I'm just feeling miserable, he knows because I'll pull out a stack of like four <laughs> or five of my books. And even though I actually already know what they say, I'll like pour over them and try to find anything that might make me feel better. <laughs> so you don't need to have, you know, the row of like 20 that I have, but picking up one or two would be good. So I can give you some recommendations for the show notes after. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll definitely include those in the show notes for those of you listening um, just check those out in, at inspiredtoaction.com. Um, are there any websites that you recommend people checking out? Or is, you know, it's all kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that? I'm trying to think if there are any really particular ones that I go to. Um, I like I like Wellness Mama a lot, um, wellnessmama.com. She, she's quite well-researched and has a lot of really good remedies on her site. So I, I like hers. Um, Actually, our website has lots of remedies, um, but oh, I'm trying to think. You know what? It's something I'm going to have to look up because no names are coming to me, and I don't want to say 
around. sites that I'm not totally sure of. So, right, right. yeah. And, and for those of you listening, um, Stephanie's website is keeperofthehome.org. And we'll, we'll get to that and all, all your links and stuff at the end, too. But mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure to point that out. If you're looking things up right now, go to keeperofthehome.org. And I also want to say, for some of you, this is all very normal talk. For some of you, it is completely brand new and might sound a little weird. And I just do want to say again that Stephanie isn't some random person that emailed me and said, hey, can I talk about this stuff? Um, she is truly uh, the first person that I thought of, of people that I wanted to ask what they thought about essential oils and natural medicines and stuff, because I very, very, very much trust her and the research that she's done and the knowledge that she has. So I just want to just affirm you guys that she's not a doctor, you know, all that whole disclaimer, but um, but she really does know what she's talking about. And, and she's a very wise woman. So um, Stephanie, where can people find you online? Um, well, as you just said, keeperofthehome.org would be the main place to find me talking about these sorts of things. So we talk a lot about nutrition and natural remedies and just sort of a more holistic, healthy lifestyle for uh, moms and for homemakers. So that's the main place. Uh, the other places I also blog at entrefamily.com uh, where we talk more about our lifestyle, our businesses and homeschooling and that sort of thing. So yeah, I would say those are the two pl- main places. Yay, fantastic. Well, we'll have to have you on again just to talk about, uh, I think we need to talk about ways to prevent illness, like just, you know, great food choices, great healthy lifestyles, that sort of thing. And that seems like a, it would have been a good first step, but we'll just go backwards and (laughs) talk about that in a future episode. Um, But thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be on the show today, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Kat. It was a pleasure as always. All right. Well, we will talk to you again soon. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercies. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way by His Spirit with each breath that I take. It's feeling like a good day.